what you want more than anything is you want to meet people with different experiences and I've always sort of found you would see things that you would not automatically have come across. Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. I'm Scott Challoner, and once again, I'll be exploring a new perspective on leadership, joined each week by a different CEO, CFO, director, government minister, president, and who knows, maybe even one day the president of the United States of America. That is, if he makes it beyond this November, with all going on in the world right now. The aim here is to discover who these people are, the people who get up each morning and make this country work. We discuss everything from R&D recruitment and sales to the potential of North Wales, and of course, the innovation and success that makes it entirely worthwhile in the end. We also get their take on the current economic and political landscape here in the UK. I'm delighted to be joined on today's programme by Richard Davies, Director at MoreTube Engineering. First founded in 1987 and based in North Wales, MoreTube specialises in pipe welding and fabrication, general fabrication as well, and also on-site installations. Davies himself has always run the business with the view that sustainable growth and client satisfaction take precedence over turnover and profit. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I welcome Richard Davies. Richard, very warm welcome to you and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on today's programme. My pleasure. Now, Richard, um, you're, of course, very active as a business in providing solutions for the manufacturing sector. Tell me, with the outbreak of COVID-19, how has it been for you as a business attempting to navigate the last few months? Because I can imagine it's posed some incredible challenges. Yes, it has, actually. Initially, um, we, we, were, we were all caught up in it. We, we, we work for main suppliers like Tata Steel, and they they obviously had to reduce the contractors that they had on site to, to make a, a sort of safe environment for them. So we had to look at trying to bring work to our workshop initially, um, but inevitably we took the furlough option and we were off for about a month. And then a small team, we we were brought back to help help out really with their emergencies because they they they, they mm. still get emergencies cropping up. So yeah, we, we you know we've still got a small team, but we've still got a lot of staff on furlough. So obviously, when we, when we were coming back onto site, the, the, the sites that were um, asking us to do work, we we were working within a different a different uh, setup then with masks and social distancing. There was, uh, you know, bottlenecks maybe in the canteen areas, um, d- different risk assessments that you know we had to we had to work within their set of rules as well as our own set of rules. So it's been challenging, yes. It's but obviously it's doable. It's doable. Mm. But even to the even to the extent where you might have one person in the van, where you might have had two or three. So that, you know, there's a we we're finding there's more cost. To to uh, to doing the work that we you know that, that we'd normally have so but um, we're we're lucky to be working at mm. the moment so that, that's that, that's where we're at. 
It's interesting, Richard, that you do mention uh, costs there because we're already seeing impact um, on industry, such as inflated prices in the supply chain, for example, as a result of this uh, pandemic. Yeah, 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 we found that. And what do you think the long term effects will be on um, the industry that you're in because of this at the moment? Well, the long-term effect, uh, I, I think it will have an impact because obviously the the way that manufacturing is running and the way that, that people uh, go about their daily basis, j- just by implementing the rules and the new rules, you know, with um, with the social distancing, et cetera, and what I mentioned with vans, you know, the the what we found with um, suppliers is that we we've looked at buying uh, materials which we previously had quotes for pre-COVID. Um, we're finding that there's been an increase in their materials. So uh, certain certain suppliers are taking advantage of the fact that they've got it and you you need it and you have to pay for it if you want it type of attitude. So you know, and work that we we priced prior to COVID, we're going to obviously, you know, the work will slow down. We won't be as productive, uh, you know, speaking from my own, as a fabrication, welding fabrication side, you know, we, we won't be, we can't be as productive as we were because of because of the the, the rules we we've got to maintain safety. It's it's the obligation that we've got as a, as an employer. So that eventually will you know that cost will knock on. I think the cost will knock on possibly to the um, to, to to other to others. But whether whether there's enough work as well, um, you know, we, we might have to look at you know. Our own pricing, you know, is there enough work around for everyone as well at the end of it? So, it, it, it is up in the air, really. Um, I think I think the cost on industry will, uh, you know, we'll either absorb it or or we'll be looking for work and we'll, you know, we'll we'll take it on the chin. Mm, absolutely, yeah, so. because I would say the. Um the response from the government has been encouraging from the small business loans perspective and, of course, the job retention scheme as well. But there's always that looming possibility of increased taxation, for example, to cover the yeah. cost of that scheme. And that's where yeah. the can's been kicked down the road a little bit, isn't it? And where there's something almost looming on the horizon for businesses to have to take yet another hit. Yeah, you know, I, I think I think we're expecting a, t- a tax a tax increase. Uh, I mean, we're, we're also looking at, you know, possibly, hopefully, future work with with the uh, the likes of Wilver Power Station, HS2. You know, we've got we've got work. We've got our current uh, suppliers. We've got a, a clients and whatever um, that that we're supplying to. But we're, we're also looking at hopefully, um, you know, I, I'm hoping that the government will realise that there's going to be a gap. There's going to be a, a gap in work for the, for the likes of us, and they could really start release some of this, some of these big projects that they've been, like you said, kicking kicking the can down the road, and hopefully, um, we can see a glimmer of hope when it comes to um, you know this the, the future, you know, because you know we can gear up to we can gear up to sort of uh, that sort of higher spec type of work, you know. Um, it's very it's very difficult to see where where the the end of this is going and uh you know the costs the costs related to it will be but 
if the, if the if the government will release some of these projects, which I hope they will, then uh, then we can um, invest. We can invest in them and 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 see see a future. Let's certainly hope so for sure, because um, there will inevitably, um, as a result of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, be a delay in infrastructure investments for sure. I mean, it is a real shame because Rishi Sunak's um, March the 11th budget, of course, was quite clear on its uh, promises of infrastructure investment on the one hand. But then COVID-19, of course, came along. But the other big challenge... Um, which again, we'll probably find out more about over the course of this month looming on the horizon is the future of Brexit and the fact that we don't know at this point whether there will be a trade no. deal with Europe or not. And that, that is, that is what, what we've had really is, is a Brexit, COVID Brexit sandwich, haven't we really? You know, we, we, I was looking at Brexit again, you know, you, you follow it on the news, but it, there's only so much doom and gloom you can you can take as a small business. And I think some of us are, you know, keeping it keeping it small. We're, we're concentrating on on what we've got. We're focusing on the, on on the work we have and the clients that we've got. We're trying to we're trying to find out what financially they've got to spend this year. And I think looking at Brexit on top of all of it, you know, it's a real, real concern. Um, again, we, we we hope we're hoping that there's going to be benefits out of it eventually. You know, maybe going it alone. Um, the jury's out really on that one as well. Mm. It's it's very uncertain really where where this is going. Um, but you know, certainly, certainly, I think. Um, it's a, it's a massive challenge for the government, isn't it? Really, to try and I was I was personally waiting for Brexit to affect our business, but COVID's come along, so we mm. we sort of financially geared up for it. We'd, um, as I said, we were looking at bigger projects to sort of you know five ten year projects like the big infrastructure projects, you know, to to sort of maybe capitalize on those, and we were doing. Um, sort of uh, what we call a fit for nuclear. So it was um, mm. it was above and beyond ISO nine thousand, and it's an, it's an accreditation that would uh, you know maybe get us work on 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 the likes of the, 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 these power stations. But again, they've been shelved because of Brexit um, uncertainties, and, and they're very uncertain about you know making. Um, you know, working towards uh, a final finalising a deal mm. and uh, putting it to one side because of Brexit. And now it's um, COVID's got in the way, and you know, obviously, it's it's terrible. There's lots of people lost their lives to it. And but hopefully that you know, the, the other side, we, we'll see we'll see some definite um, green shoots. You know, and obviously there's. There, there was talk about apprentices. You know, what what, what are the youngsters going to look forward to after all this? You know, um, so yeah, we we would like to see. You know, we would like to see some sort of um, throw the kitchen sink at the economy as well. Now, I mean, it's we're going to we're we're in trouble financially. Taxes are going to go up. I think everyone understands that. But mm. you know, we might as well be a country which is. Bouncing back, you know, with with a with a good with a good five uh, G electric rail and and everything else, we might as well invest. It, hopefully, invest heavily in the country and 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 get everyone back to work and um, getting everyone's uh, you know 
technical advancements in in our in their own business and and meet the challenges that that um, that that we we could be facing. So yeah, yeah. So. It's interesting times, isn't it? Because it's really forced the hand of businesses to innovate where they hadn't before. Um, and yeah. also, um, there's a great deal of uncertainty as to what the uh, the new normal that everybody's talking about is going to look like as well. And that will be the big challenge when work starts to resume, won't it? Just being able to carry it out under these new COVID secure regulations. And of course, there's again fierce debate on how clear those regulations are coming from the government as well. Exactly. Yeah, the, 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 it, it is. It is moving quite rapidly. Really, the the you know what, what we've got to do. I know there's regulations come out today on on insolvent businesses and on what the you know new new laws coming out. Um, the the main the, the main thing is really is is for me personally. I, I can't speak for you know all businesses, but I think um, what I've done personally is just kept. Uh, closely, you know, uh, ringing up, as I said, ringing up the people that I do work for, ask them what, what hopefully they've got to spend. Uh, have they got, are they installing funds for projects? Uh, you know, are they pulling capex back? What's the future work? And working mostly, you know, if you, you can, there is ways of working around COVID on site. You know, obviously you can, you can limit exposure to other people and whatever. I mean, construction sites that they still need to, 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 you know, we still need to make money, but, um, you know, there's, there's basic rules to follow. And I think, I think most people can follow the rules, um, you know, and, and work safely. And, and it, it obviously there's no option other than to do that. So I think, you know, it, it's uncertain. It is uncertain. Um, with with regards to you know what's gonna what's gonna you know happen, but I I, I do believe that you know it's it's not impossible, and I think I think everyone's wait, willing and waiting to get on with it. I, I'm certainly waiting to get willing to get on with it, and I, I think um, the challenges will be met. I think no mm. doubt we'll get over we'll get we'll get over them. Yeah, absolutely. And um, there's been a renewed focus during this time as well as one of the positives to come out of this tragic time on mental health on the one hand, uh, well-being on another, but also sustainability is another um, issue that's really come to the fore during this period of self-reflection. And so moving forward from here, meeting, of course, um, climate challenges is going to be another big thing that we're going to have to tackle, isn't it, further down the line? It is, yeah. Obviously, you know, we're touching on this um, we've got uh, a net zero. I think twenty fifty. Um, that's, that's right. That's another. Yeah, that's that's obviously that policy's been written in stone. Um, let's let's hope that you know we, we can um, we can get these projects up and running. There's there's lots of new industry. There's a new industry really, a green. Uh, revolution really that our youngsters can focus on really if if if, if they get the opportunity um, the apprentices now hopefully we can look towards um, you know the wave there's wave uh, tidal uh, photovoltaic winds you know there's it, it, it could be an opportunity it could be a great opportunity to to uh, to springboard the, the UK and we could lead the way in this. I mean, there's been talk of it, but um, I think we need a bit of action on it. We definitely need some some 
some influence from the government to get these projects up and running. Um, you know, and you know, there's 5G, there's uh, real-time data, there's all sorts of uh, innovations coming through. You know, there's, um, but we're just awaiting some signs of confidence, really. To, uh, I mean, business is ready and waiting to adapt, and I think. Um, I, I personally would 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 change my you know we're, we're welding fabrication pipe work and but um, we we certainly would would be looking at at a route towards that if that's an up and coming industry so you know we, we, the um, hopes there you know that the real the real um, we, we'd like to create something as well you know that the UK has always been a country of of uh, you know, we're, we're grafters at the end of the day, and and you know, we just need an opportunity now. I think I think it, Brexit's brought us down a bit. Covid's brought us to our knees, really. When when you're talking about um, the mental health, I mean, you know, even people on furlough that I've talked to, they're just you know stewing in their own juices because um, obviously people are worried that if if a company can do without them for so long will they have a job when they go back you know there's lots of people talking that way and and whereas initially it was maybe nice to to do their gardens and catch up on the bit of maintenance around the house i think this particular month is is starting to start to grate on them a bit i think i think people are getting very concerned that you know there's there's a great risk um through mental health, uh, I've seen I've seen it and I've heard enough about it as well. So mm. I think uh, I think that is a challenge. And of course, when people come back to work, because they've been in hibernation, which is virtually what it is. Um, when I come back after being off for a couple of weeks, it, it's it's going to take it takes a long time to get the old brain back into gear. Uh, the body clocks being used to maybe late starts, and mm. you know there is a health health and safety issue to that as well. You know, you know it's like when you come back of a two week holiday. This is a, a three months total break from work, and you know people aren't going to be they're not going to be firing on all cylinders really, and and you know their bosses are going to want to see a bit of action because they they're, they've been uh, dormant as well. So there's going to be you know a little bit of uh, bit of interface there, I think. Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a mental mental problem to it, but obviously it's it's a lot better than catching the COVID and maybe mm. coming down with it. So there's there's just a balance really between uh, the economy and and health. And I think I think the government's done a great job with with putting their hand in their pocket. Certainly, certainly help businesses from using up either the, a lot of their capital or going under. So I, I don't think they could have done any more. And I think obviously it's, we're going to pay for it in these tax increases that you mentioned earlier. But I don't think people are going to, the general public, are going to be opposed to it. Uh, and it, but I do think that we're going to have to go a little bit further and create more work um, to, you know, to, to basically get the economy up and running. Because Brexit's going to going to create a you know, financial financial burden as well. So if we get big projects going, five, ten years' work, lots of money flowing into the local economies, and of course, where I am in North Wales, you know, it's um, uh, you tend to see North Wales as maybe uh, North East Wales or Wales in general is more of a farm in sort of, um, you know, sort of... Uh, uh, 
where, where you go on holiday, but Northeast Wales, uh, Wrexham Industrial Estate, where I am in Wrexham, that was that was the biggest um, industrial estate in Europe at one point, and it still is one of the biggest. You know, we've got Deeside. We've got a, a hell of a lot of um, engineering companies like myself that support uh, a vast range of um, companies for everything from JCB, Tata Steel, uh, Toyota. You know, we've got Kellogg's. We've got a, a, a vast range of big global brands. And, uh, you know, we can definitely, definitely cope with, uh, you know, some, some decent projects up, up here, you know, and, and it'll, you know, the, the rising tide will float all the boats, hopefully up and down the area. And, you know, we, we're able to put something back in, you know, as I said as well, we can, we can definitely get the youngsters involved and, uh, and give them a bit of a little bit of hope and a little bit of future because it must be it must be getting quite desperate for them as well. You know, there's uh, there's nothing but negativity all the time. And if you're, you're a young youngster coming up out of out of school, out of college, you know, it, it's 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 looking pretty grim. I think we need to you know we need to give them them, them guys uh, something something to work towards as well. Mm, yeah, I think that's um, completely right. And this period um, has really brought uh, the best out of businesses in terms of innovation. It's uh, ready to adapt even further to meet the uh, the challenges of the future. And often you hear it said as well that you learn a great deal in times of adversity, more so than when things are going well. And there have been some incredible stories of people really stepping up to the plate, both on the front line and in business, whether they've had to adapt to remote working or keep going into sites. Um, have you been inspired by the reaction that you've seen from those around you at Mortube, uh, Richard? And um, have you really learned anything from this period about um, the company as well and the staff that work for it? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think you have to have a you have to have a pretty pretty decent backbone at the moment. Um, as I said, we're sort of we're looking micro rather than macro. You know, we're we're hunkering down. We're we're putting our you know we put our shoulder behind what we've got. Um, if you start to expand into the future, like I said, it's you know until until we lift lift the the, the, the restrictions, we're not going to see the economy bounce back one way or the other. So. You know, we, we've we, the small gang that we've got uh, are, are trying the best to 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 to, to meet the, uh, the the challenges, and we're, and we're and we're getting on with it. And I've I've always been proud of my workforce. I've got to be honest with you. Um, I never expect anything less than hundred percent because they never give any less. So um, they're no different now to what they were. Pre-COVID, you know, they're a fantastic bunch. Um, I've got a, I've got two sons as well that work for me. I, most of my employees have been with me a long time, and they, they've helped this business grow. And uh, I'm indebted to them, I, you know, for, for the efforts they've put in. And uh, I always will be. The I'm 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 a firm believer that you know the company is the employees. There's there's no two ways about that. Um, they they create the product. They they your your sort of um, uh, link between you and the company when they're on site. The, the health and safety and the quality of work is is uh, is judged on a daily basis. And um, if if that's not the case, then you get to hear about it pretty quick. So yeah, I'm I've always been impressed 
with uh, with, with my lads, and uh, you know, and I always, hopefully, always will be. So there's nothing changed there. It's still doing hundred percent. Mm. And um, yeah. if we just look um, for a moment uh, back at the uh, the parliamentary review article that uh, Mortgage Engineering wrote, just for those yeah. who haven't read it, um, talking about mm-hmm. the future of the business, you mentioned that one of the key elements of that is investing in the future, not just in facilities, but also in staff members. And given the sharp yeah. rise in unemployment as a result of COVID and also the return of the immigration bill to Parliament recently, that's going to be hugely important for the future, isn't it? Recruitment, um, essentially, of young British youngsters. <laughs> It is, yeah, and and one of the one of the the key things is um, said raising the bar and raising standards and uh, getting more competent with with what we what we're doing. And a lot of companies are looking at competency as as well. Uh, even though you're you could be a, a, a fine welder, or you know, they're still looking at the the add-ons. It's 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 the extra training and the extra, you know, but. One of the things that we've looked at is is bringing on um, our welders. I don't know if you know about if you, if you talk about being the coded welder, where your welds are subjected to X rays and um, you know using different materials to, to get different standards, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is this is on the back of this fit for nuclear. The problem with training. And the, the problem with raising your standards to work in an industry that you're not actually working for that, at, at this particular time is that the cost that you're putting on the company to, to, to raise the, the, the standards, really, you can't pass on to the, your current clients because they don't require that particular specification. So it, it's a bit of the chicken and the egg, really. You know, raising standards and, and uh, you know, it's, it's just what we aspire to do is also, um, this is what they were saying about future investment in the country with with the likes of nuclear. We're, we're looking towards, um, uh, you know, getting involved with that sort of high-end specification uh, the accreditation and, and investing in people is 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 what I think we're eighty percent compliant at the moment, but we've got to push it that extra bit. But there is a cost, and it, it, this is where we're at a situation where we we need to see some movement on on things now for us to go the, to go the last the last twenty percent. You know, um, we we still maintain a high standard. We we still got um, obviously training that and and. and specifications that we we live up to anyway it's just that um we we to, to go with that extra push that extra you know accreditation levels that that we need does cost money and that's unfortunately one thing that we might have to hold hold back on at, at this stage um we'll have to wait and see it's not something i want to do but you know we'll um invest in people is is really the only way forward but um We'll we'll wait and see which way this, these. I think September we'll hear about Wilbur on planning, and uh, we've invested in property up there. And uh, I think we're just we're in the process of buying some land to um, to put another uh, workshop up there in mind of of that work. So you know, it's not just um, investing in people. We're investing in in uh, real estate, and these these are. Uh, these are, you know, these are things that we're, we're we're looking at closely now to make sure that that they do move in the right direction for us. 
but um, as 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 regards to uh, you know uh, your, your staff, if you like uh, the people that work for you, you know it's a, it's a constant uh, it's a constant improvement process, and um, and that's you know that will be the case. But to to go the extra mile is is you know it's, it's something that we we might have to just just put the brakes on that a little bit now on on the. Uh, on, on the likes of the fit the new club, but I'm sure I'm sure we'll we we'll, you know it's something we we can restart again, moving forward. We can get get going again pretty quickly on that. Mm, that's yeah, so, so certainly, um, and there'll yeah. be a great deal of leadership required, of course, to take the business um, into the uh, the future. As it's taken a great deal of leadership to sort of see it through the uh, the crisis thus far, and leadership is something that during this discussion, Richard, I would like to uh, sort of discuss in the context of um, more tube and your career, and sort of bring that into focus a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. First and foremost, one of the important things about leaders is to be able to inspire a team of people around them. Looking back, who have maybe been some of the biggest inspirations in your career? Or if there's no real people that stick out, what have been maybe some of the most influential experiences that you've had? Oh, that's, that's another good question, really, because um, I've had, a, you know, I've, I've been inspired by quite a few a few people I've worked with. And one, one of one of those was uh, my father. Oddly enough, he um, again he's he's a he's a pipe fitter, um, and he um, it was actually in the parliamentary review. He ended up working upon the uh, Howard Doris uh, Ninian Central platform up in Scotland, and um, he was pipe superintendent on that, which was the biggest rig ever built in the world at the time. So again, you know, you've got a, a North Wales guy or a Welsh guy going up and actually working on uh, one of the biggest jobs in the world. So you know, it, it, you know, it's an inspiration. He brought he brought drawings back off off this oil rig. Um, obviously, they weren't they weren't uh, top secret. They they were given out to to employees um, to show their families and, and some of them were, were showing the height of it compared to Nelson's column and you know and as a young lad I, I couldn't get over it and, and pictures of the uh, of the rig as it was getting built so I was very inspired by that and, and the stories that he was telling me about uh, the, the the divers and and the welding and he was he was uh, it, it got me uh, got me interested in 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 the job itself, so um, me and me and my father went. I was seventeen when he he made me a partner of a business, and we started off together. So I was very much out of my depth at the start. Um, I still am, I suppose, in some ways. But um, yeah, I, you know, and he gave me the opportunity to work with him and, and share the ups and the downs. You know, there's sometimes we were we called ourselves self unemployed. You know, because we were between contracts, and you know, and uh, obviously the legacy is now that I've got two sons and a son-in-law that actually work for me. So yeah, and I've met some interesting characters along the way where um, where they've uh, you know it's it's quite a rough job really welding you know and fabrication and and you know you tend to you, you tend to meet characters along the way that. Uh, you listen to their stories, you're always inspired, you know, um, the people working all over the world, Saudi Arabia, uh, Canadian pipelines and uh, people riding shotgun, making sure the bears don't carry you off into the, into, into the, into the woods and all this type of thing. And so, yeah, it's, it's, 
it's a good job to be in. Um, very, very inspired, very creative um, pipe work and welding fabrication and um, it might not seem it, but you know some of the, some of the systems you put in and it's automated and they press the switch and then there's, uh, it does the job that it was intended to do. And you you might have been involved with it from the start, or would have been involved with it from the start. And and it's it's punching out a product up, up the other side. And the more the bigger you get as a company, and the more confidence you've got over time the bigger and better the jobs that you do and, and it never fails to you know, it never fails to impress myself and what, what's achievable. And um, you know, and when you see the youngsters come up, um uh, you know, they were you know, you give them work to do which is obviously uh not too technical and then they advance and advance. So I get a lot of inspiration from not only from the older generation, like I've mentioned, but also the younger generation that that you know they 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 sort of come on leaps and bounds, and you see them mature, and they end up a very good tradesman at the end of it, and uh, that that inspires me as much as as much as anybody you know anyone that I've looked up to, you know, and um, I'm always inspired by anyone that can do something I can't do, like Steve in the office. He he might do things that I can't do on the computer. And I find that in, an inspiration, even if it's printing something off sometimes. He's listening now, Steve, there. <laughs> yeah, so there's, uh, there's no... Um, Kind of thought there's, there's no end to, uh, to learning and being inspired by other people. There's not. Mm. Uh, Exactly. And um, it goes to show as well whether the examples that you name there, Richard, that some of the most influential people out there can be those closest to us, be they family or colleagues. Um, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. Um, if channeling your business experience and what you've learned from others, you had to give some advice perhaps to somebody who is about to start their first day in a leadership role, what sort of advice would you go about giving them? It depends if they if they own their own business or whether they're running the business for someone else. Uh, it, it does make a big difference that really on how big the operation is. Um, I've always found that <clears throat> I think running the business for me personally, I'm very hands on. Um, as I said, I'm I'm a tradesman brought up into the office environment. Um, my na- my natural habitat's on on the shop floor in in the thick of it really so i i i tend to sort of maybe have it i don't know if it's unique or whether um you know it's 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 happens with other other uh, directors but i i tend to get involved i'm very much on the shop floor um if if i was starting a business if i if i was to advise anybody just you know that's going into business i would advise them to Keep definitely keep um, a, a, a very decent cash uh, float going in within the business, and not and not and not try to to expand too quickly. And and maybe they want to to to, to run before they can. Well, you need cash. Cash is king, and especially in a time like this, um, businesses might go under because they can't maybe absorb some of the additional costs because it's not coming, you know, we've been going 32 years. We we have had rough periods and we've learned by them. Um, so as a leadership, um, I, I personally, you know, wouldn't ask anybody to do anything I wouldn't do myself. We do, sometimes we do a lot of, um, 
work maybe over Christmas and shutdowns and long hours and weekends. And I tend to sort of, um, how, how can I put it, you know, I work with the lads, alongside the lads, so so that um, I, uh, I I tend not to ask them to do anything other than, you know, as I said, what I wouldn't do. Um, it, it does depend on what, what you're doing as a business. Um, it's, 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 it's a difficult question, really. It, it, there's no There's no golden... There's no golden answer to that one. Um, if I'd have had a bit of time to think about it, yeah, I think it's I think it's strong leadership. Definitely leading by example. Don't spend too much. Keep a little bit in the bank. Have a positive attitude. Treat your I don't like the word staff actually, but treat treat the people that work for you with a with, with a great deal of respect, and um, they are the people that have. Uh, Producing a product or a service for the company, and uh, ultimately, that's all that a business is it surrounds itself by its employees, and that they are they are, they are the backbone of the company. So, keep keep a real keep a real eye on how how they're getting treated, and um, and treat everyone with a, a with a respect, basically. I think that's incredibly that's, sound that's advice. About it. I think that is incredibly that's, that's sound about advice. It on that one. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, keep it real. For those listening in, I think that's incredible um, advice, Richard. And we've had a look back, of course, um, over inspiration. So I think before we do wrap things up on the programme today, it only serves right to focus on the future for a moment. Um, over the next mm-hmm. 12 months, um, what do you envision for yourself and for more tube engineering? And what do you really hope to achieve as we hopefully move through COVID-19, emerge from the other side and really look to the future? Yeah, it's it's funny because I've had uh, ups and downs with my feelings on 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 being very positive and being quite negative. It depends on which who you talk to and and uh, you know what what your what your you know your outlook is. Um, I've had both, but um, I generally I'm an upbeat guy. I tend to, I, as I said, I'm looking I'm looking at focusing on what we've got. I'm looking at the clients. Uh, at the moment, um, I understand that they, they 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 will hopefully support us, and I think we've uh, you know we've 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 helped them over the years as well. So there's that mutual uh, there's that mutual benefit going on there. This year, I don't think we're going to break any financial records. I think I think we'll keep it um, we'll keep it tight for now. We'll make sure we'll make sure that we've as I said we've got money coming in. Money going out. Um, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic that, that, that I, I do think that the economy will will rally. And that they say it's going to be 12 months, but that's 12 months going up, not coming down. So each 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 week will hopefully benefit us a little bit more than the the uh, the next. Um, and we'll spend and invest as we go along. Um, even even through this, we've we've had to keep. Certain uh, certain things up to date. The cranes we've had to have loaders on, and such so, so, so that when we do, you know, when we when we do get work, that we're we're ready ready to move. We're not waiting on things that have come out come out of certification. So, you know, we're looking at the bigger picture in that respect. I, I think we we have steady caution, really. You know, we get, we're gonna we're gonna get out of this. We're gonna move as we will move forward. We'll we'll keep it simple. We'll obviously 
try and look at what improving on um, maybe planning, um, getting a little bit more, um, you know, a little bit more sort of uh, dynamic with 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 work, so that we 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 get as much out of the day as possible without without you know without whipping the lads. Sometimes I think when you get biz- too busy that. Um, you're, you know, you're racing ahead. So I think a bit of planning might might help to just get a little bit, a little bit more money out of out of a job just on purely labour side and make sure that that it's planned properly and we, we we've got um, our times used, uh, you know, better if you like in that sense. Maybe towards Christmas, hopefully next year, things will get better. Of course. This, uh, you know, this this COVID had, uh, come come upon us right at the end of the financial year, which is April. So most people's order books were running dry anyway. Um, you know, and you know, people obviously have got their budgets for spending uh, in manufacturing with um, maintenance budgets and uh, capex and projects and whatever. So. You know, we'll have to wait and see. Most people um, have only just come back. Actually, you know, most 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 uh, people have been working at home, so there's a lot of people come back and they're just finding their feet. So, you know, we can't jump on people to see what's too early to see what they've got for us. But I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, we will progress through this year with small small increments and small steps and. We'll get more positive as we go along, and and we'll 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 pick pick up uh, pick our feet up towards the end of the year. But I think we just got to, as I said, bit of planning, uh, keep 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 our spending down a bit. Maybe not maybe not uh, spend on the luxuries that we uh, we would like to have had. But um, but again. Stopping spending is what's gonna. Uh, it's 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 what's gonna, um, you know, stifle the economy. So I think once once people get confidence and and once they get uh, signs of confidence, um, work coming in. I think I think we'll all start we'll all start to ease up a little bit. You know, we're we're scared at the moment to do anything which is gonna burn up cash. So I think towards uh, definitely towards if it's going to pick up, which it will, I, th- I think I think we'll we'll just see growth back in in the, in the economy and um, a renewed confidence, and, and maybe we might come out of this the other side with a, a new energy. You know, we might come out of this uh, with a, a new sense of purpose. You know, because it, it has brought the country uh, to its knees, but it's also. It's also been, uh, you know, almost, um, you know, it's, it's been so dramatic. It, it, it might, it might show people, you know, that, that we might might have lost the path. So, you know, hopefully, the the, you know, it'll be a new energy and a new way way of um, of working. We might all be looking to work as a, you know, not as, you know, not as a as the enemy but you know as, as an essential part of life which we might have forgotten about you know because you know without work you know we, a lot of people have re- been reminded that uh, you know work is very very important and uh, without it we wouldn't be you know too far down the road financially speaking we'd be uh, in lumber so you know we, we could be it could be a, a new a new energy 
uh, up and down up and down offices and factories and workshops. You know, people be glad to be back at it. So you know that could that could be a bonus. I think hopefully it will. It's going to be interesting for sure, just to see what the new normal looks like and just how things do pan out in the future for sure, Richard. And even though we are just about out of time uh, today um, on the programme, I think it would actually be fantastic to catch up in the uh, the next few months to discuss how things have changed when we begin to understand more about how that new normal will be and what sort of recovery we can expect. Because yeah, it's been that'd quite- be my, my pleasure. Yeah. Likewise, because it's been an incredibly um, informative experience today, Richard, and um, I will thank you again uh, for your time taken to come onto the programme. It's been a real, real pleasure speaking. And most importantly, do take care and do stay safe with everything still going on in the meantime, because we are not out of the woods with this yet, are we? We are not out of the woods. We are not out of the woods. You're quite right. And um, yeah, my pleasure for talking to you. And um, yeah, I'll be delighted to speak to you shortly. And we'll see... We'll see how we get on. I'm sure. I'm sure. I think you know. I think things will. You know. I think we're at the bottom at now. I think we're. I think the only way is up. And uh, I think there's a lot of you know maybe maybe a bit of positive energy might be buzzing around. I'm sure that uh, I'm sure the economy will bounce back. And I look forward to speaking you speaking to you next time around. Likewise, Richard. Do take care. That was Richard Davies, Managing Director of MoreTube Engineering. I hope you enjoyed the interview and, of course, learning more about how the whole team at MoreTube is continuing to raise standards even throughout this challenging time. Coming up next on the programme, I'll be handing over to Matthew O'Neill for his exclusive interview with Lord David Blunkett. Lord Blunkett is an active member of the House of Lords, a former Labour MP and Secretary of State, and also the Chairman of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Despite being blind from birth, Lord Blunkett rose to prominence to become one of the most notable politicians of his generation, holding a number of senior positions in Tony Blair's cabinet and serving as the MP for his Sheffield, Brightside and Hillsborough constituency for 28 years. He was elevated to the House of Lords in August 2015, anointed Baron Blunkett of Brightside and Hillsborough, and I hope you enjoy listening just as much as Matthew enjoyed speaking with him. That's coming up next. Lord Blunkett, welcome. Thank you very much. It's very good to be with you. Um, well, of course, uh, nothing is being said uh, at the moment other than COVID-19, uh, which uh, we must touch on. Um, what would your message be to small businesses who are trying to keep going? Well, I think the last ones standing will be the ones that thrive when we get back to some sort of normality. So it's have confidence and courage Obviously, take advantage as far as you can of the government help. I think that Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor, has gone about as far as you could have expected Mm -hmm. in the circumstances. There are obviously small businesses that fall between the cracks. Those who uh, don't have um, defined premises, can't benefit from the business rate waiver, uh, have not really been able to demonstrate that they can uh, adhere to the PAYE for furloughing staff and, of course, whether they can receive the the grant, 10,000 or 25,000, all all of those who can uh, are obviously able at least to benefit from that for the time being and look to the future. But I think the second thing to say, and they don't need me to tell them this as a politician who, who did once do a business studies qualification, which is that it will be a different world and being able to think about how that world will look in a year's time 
and be creative about it and learn from not just what's happening to you at this moment in time, but to others around you and the sector that you're working in, that will be really important. Do you feel that the long-term uh, effects of uh, the COVID-19 outbreak uh, will in some ways be positive uh, for British industry? Well, only in the sense that people are having to be creative, they're having to adjust and innovate. Therefore, they're thinking about more productive, if you like, greater productivity ways of delivering the same service or delivering the same products. And in that sense, I think we'll have temporarily at least very much higher unemployment than we've become used to, but we'll probably have a burst of productivity, Mm -hmm. which will help with the recovery, whether it will help with the inequity of the way in which our economy is imbalanced, both between services and productivity and and, uh, production of goods and services, I'm not sure. What we will need to try and do is to ensure that the geographic imbalance that exists is, as far as humanly possible, is dealt with by both Uh, the entrepreneurship and innovation from the bottom up and targeted government help, which will still be needed. And we are now in the throes of the kind of borrowing that we saw back in 2008 to save the banking and economic system. We're we're having to do that to save the whole of our productive business and Mm -hmm. commerce. And I think that will have to be sustained for some time. Do you feel that people will take a second look at global supply chains in the wake of this outbreak? I think there's going to be much more creative ways of using local supply and linking up inside sectors much more effectively. And I hope that the Leaders' Council will be able to play a part in that in the sense that people who Mm. have something in common, a synergy in terms of what they're delivering, whether it's a service or whether it's manufacturing or whatever, uh, we'll be able to see that there's a, a, a good outcome from n- knowing the sector better, linking with people, not just geographically, locally, but those in this country who may not have been on the radar in terms of what they produced for the supply chain. And, of course, um, ensuring, because there's quite a lot of fraud going on as we speak with um, people getting into cyber attacks, that they'll also take account of going into the the cybersecurity side effectively as well. The more we are online, the more people who are working from home, the more vulnerable those businesses and their supply chain become. And that's something to think about as well. How important is strong leadership at the moment? Well, I actually think that it's brought to the fore leadership in a whole range of areas from Obviously, government itself, and there's been ups and downs with the Prime Minister's uh, severe illness, but all the way through the public and private sector, people have, to use the jargon, stepped up. And they've shown uh, local, regional, national level the kind of leadership that Britain historically was very good at. Regrettably, we've not seen seen the same on the international scene for Mm. all kinds of reasons, Uh, but maybe we will in future. So I think out of this will come experience of people who have seen an opportunity to do good as well as seen an opportunity to provide a good uh, service or goods. 
including, for instance, shortages uh, for the health and social care uh, system, um, the food chain and the like, uh, but also, I think, in terms of seeing the, the synergy between the private and the voluntary sector and using people's uh, commitment to each other in a very positive way. I, I'm not sentimental about this. Things will revert. Mm. But actually, I think there is a, a kind of moment of moral judgment of people feeling that they've got a role to play outside the immediate survival that they're engaged in. And if we can hang on to a little bit of that social responsibility, that will be a very positive outcome. Absolutely. Now, what's your broad view of how the government is responding to this? Are you broadly supportive of their measures? Well, it may surprise people to hear that that I have been very supportive. Of course, there's been legitimate criticisms about the speed of response on protective equipment and on issues relating to testing. But my own view is very similar to the challenge that was made to the Prime Minister of Italy when people said, why didn't you close Italy down faster? And he said, a fortnight before we did it, I would have been considered to be a madman and nobody would have agreed to do it Mm. if I'd tried to move too quickly. And I I think that's something that we need to reflect on here in the UK. We we may have seen the signals elsewhere uh, across the world and taken them more seriously at the time. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. But as someone who's uh, had his life in uh, the opposite uh, political party to the, the present government, I think that with some hiccups and mistakes, they've not done a bad job in what has been incredibly difficult circumstances. And you're absolutely right. In a, in a liberal uh, democracy that we live in, it's, it's very difficult for people to swallow orders given to them from government. Um, well, the, the UK and, um, and the US, and to some extent to the Scandinavian countries, have a very different interest, uh, history and, and therefore interest in maintaining the freedom to decide and the persuasion and mm. consent that's required. Uh, those countries that have experienced one way or another totalitarianism over the last century have a slightly different way of coming at this. Mm. I don't want to exaggerate it, but I think that that's why getting the balance right of getting people to go along with what you want them to do in their interests as well as the nation as a whole is a sensible proportional balance. And I think we now need to adjust to the coming out of the crisis gradually, uh, readjusting to recovery uh, in the same way. Now, something you've mentioned recently on this balance is uh, the police overreach and the enforcement of the COVID-19 Uh, structures that have been put in place. What have they done right and where have they gone too far? Well, I think that they were interpreting what was not necessarily as clear advice as it might have been for all kinds of reasons because people were feeling their way. I think what's come out of it has been uh, a demonstration by local police services in some parts of the country that they could get people to do what was needed without the heavy hand of drones overhead mm. or people being told that they you know, shouldn't be walking in the street because this was all about self-isolation, not incarceration. It was about getting people not to pass the infection on to each other and therefore to provide distance rather than to make our lives a misery. 
those police services that adopted that policing by consent and chivying people along did really well. Those who went over the top, I think, soon got a very substantial pushback. And one of the strengths of our democracy is that you could have that debate. People could say, I'm terribly sorry, we, we think the police force in our area has gone over the top. And that in itself is a constraint and uh, a readjustment. That, that's another strength of um, living in a country where you can have opinions and express them without actually being thought to be a fool. Now, of course, uh, the government has faced criticism uh, that they were slow to react, uh, and Boris Johnson wasn't present at the early COVID-19 COBRA meetings. Now, uh, Number 10 has claimed that this is normal practice. Uh, the health secretary often chairs COBRA meetings uh, related to health. Uh, does this tally with your experience as a secretary of state, or would you have expected the PM uh, to be more hands-on during the initial stages? I think different prime ministers do have a very different style. And Boris's style, which I think will now be considerably adjusted, was very swashbuckling. In some senses, delegating is a good thing, uh, as every leader of every business or public service knows. Those who try to pull too much into themselves end up with a massive bottleneck, a great uh, failure of trust and the inability of people to show what they're worth and to, to demonstrate their capability. So I, I, I'd be very wary of jumping in and saying he was wrong to delegate the essential COBRA meetings. What I was surprised about was that he didn't um, chair the first couple because mm -hmm. my experience with Tony Blair for the eight years I was in cabinet was that Tony was a great delegator, but he would get a grip to begin with watch what the difficulties were, and then give people direction and confidence to be able to get on with it. So looking back, I think Boris himself probably thinks, God, I wish I'd spotted the signals from elsewhere in the world more rapidly, and I'd just been there. However, this also raises another issue. All of us in positions of leadership need good teams around us. Mm -hmm. I think after this is over, he will be assessing those who really did step up and those who demonstrated their inadequacy, I think we'll probably end up in a year's time with a much stronger cabinet than we have today. Well, absolutely. And of course, uh, we've seen a, a significant uh, drop in the visibility of uh, certain special advisors like Dominic Cummings uh, during this uh, entire period. So it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, well, now, it certainly readjusted the role of those behind the scenes with those who should be taking the decisions having received advice. Obviously, there's been a complete transformation in the profile of experts, if I might use that term, who'd previously been denigrated. Mm -hmm. Scientists, medics, people with behavioral science uh, understanding. My only criticism was, were we getting wide enough advice? Were we narrowing it too much to a couple of key centers in London? But that's because I've always been adverse to everything being London-centric. I think there's great expertise, wisdom, experience out in the sticks, and uh, we should use it. Uh, rightly so. Um, now, was pandemic planning part of your time as a minister, particularly perhaps uh, when you were Home Secretary? Well, it was, but it was on the back of risk arising out of counter-terrorism measures. Right. Uh, I was the Home Secretary for three months 
when the attack took place in September 2001 on the World Trade Center and beyond, we did an enormous amount of uh, scenario planning, both desktop and, and real. On the back of that, it was very heavily orientated to future developing terrorism risk. I certainly got involved with talking about pandemics. I remember being at a seminar in Edinburgh, where the university had done a lot of work itself on the issue of pandemics. And of course, we, we saw SARS and other things emerging. I, I think it would people criticised the government for not picking up the report from 2015, five years ago. I think that what happens is human nature kicks in. You deal with what you're immediately faced with. Mm. You you can you can sponsor reports. This is true of business planning, of course, as well, and scenario planning for what business continuity will look like, recovery plans for business, what will happen if um, there's a cyber attack, what happens if there's an energy shutdown. Sh um, these kind of things you, you can look at, but you're immediately turning your eyes to what's in front of you. And had we picked up a bit more on the danger from Ebola and SARS and what have you in the past, then we might have said, what if something hits us in the developed nations that we don't have a vaccine for, mm -hmm. that we can't immediately whisk up uh, protective materials or equipment or, for that matter, medicines that help with recovery, all of which we now see are a danger. I think this will make an enormous difference to the planning for the for the years ahead. I hope it will be widened so that we don't just look at what's happened, because very rarely do you see something exactly repeat itself. Some of the circumstances will be, but others won't. So that's why I've put emphasis in what I talk about on looking at the other virus, the cyber attack uh, scenario, mm -hmm. which could be just as dangerous in a, uh, a world of just-in-time provision. One of the miracles of uh, the modern developed world, except for the very poor, has been the distribution of food. A lot of it on computerized, uh, technologically advanced systems. If that were to come down, we'd be in real trouble. So I think we need to think those sort of scenarios as well. So have a full plan across uh, both sectors, uh, biological warfare, pandemics, and uh, cyber warfare. Yes, and to do so on different levels, I think again, thinking of thinking global but acting local, we mm. need a lot more to think about what would happen if something took shape that actually broke down those national and global chains and how we would cope and without uh, obviously we've got enough fear and anxiety to last a lifetime without uh, creating even more anxiety we can think about those things for the future in a more rational way i think now aside from the physical uh, threat of the virus one of the things that people are vastly worried about is the effect on uh, the economy not just national economy but also the world economy um, now, it has been said by certain parties, um, and uh, I'd like to garner your uh, thoughts on this. Is there a danger of the effects of the lockdown being even worse than those of the virus? Were it be prolonged, I fear that that balance would tip the other way. It is about 
proportionality. It is about balance. It's the wisdom of Solomon, really, to to get the moment right when you start to move and then to move quickly. There's no doubt whatsoever that we are stocking up, not just on the economic and employment front, which will be devastating enough, but on the health and social well-being front, enormous challenges. And they will need careful handling because there's a lot of people whose lives for a variety of reasons are at risk in the future on a scale that we've been dealing with over the, the immediate handling of the pandemic, concentrating really hard on those affected by COVID-19, those sadly who have died or been seriously incapacitated, that will roll over into the economic, the social, the mental health and cultural well-being of the nation. And that will need all of us to pull together as well. Absolutely. Now, do you believe the government's doing enough for business? I think that the speed of reaction once the scale of the pandemic was clear was very good. I've praised Ricky Sunak for his action. Uh, remember, a chancellor who only just come into office was planning to deliver the budget in the middle of March and has had three, at least three equivalent budgets since. I think he's handled it very well, understandably worried now about what we're doing to our economy. The level of borrowing is sustainable because of low interest rates, but it reaches a point, of course, where it tips over so that you can't then do the kind of structural investment requirements that the government were laying out before and in the March budget. And those will have their consequences as well as a planned payback over many years. I think we've learned something over the last few months. We, we needed to take immediate action. We don't want another round of austerity equivalent from 2010 through to 2019. I don't think the nation, on the back of what's happened and the challenges we have, could take that. And therefore, we need a different plan, economic plan, over a much longer period, just as we did from the Second World War all the way through to 2002, when the final American loans were paid off. Now, of course, uh, one thing that's on everyone's lips, um, how much longer do you believe uh, that the lockdown can go on for? I believe that we need to be substantially back in action as an economy in June. This obviously is led in terms of places where people would meet in large numbers, having to uh, adjust to the fact that it will be longer for them. And sadly, that will involve business closures. It's why the Chancellor extended the furlough scheme to the end of June. Mm -hmm. But unless we, we get things moving in June, I think we'll run into the summer where all kinds of services and industries will have a chain reaction effect. And what happens with one will then have a major impact on another. And then you get the skittle effect where things get knocked down that you hadn't perceived were going to be affected. So I very much, if I were in government, and I always think of things in that context, what would I do if I were in government? 
I would be on the side from the second week in May on the side of the Hawks in terms of saying we've got to start moving and we've got to do so with the collaboration and cooperation of the public who have got the message, who did behave, who responded magnificently. Let's try and get back. Perhaps, you know, doing things differently for a time, but substantially getting back to business as usual. Unless we do that, then those areas that can't and wouldn't expect to be back in action immediately get pushed further into the middle of the year in the autumn, and then they become unsustainable. Now, of course, um, one of the other major developments we've had recently are the changes in the uh, the Labour Party. So if we could just uh, speak on the Labour Party for uh, a while. Um, this might sound like uh, an obvious question, but uh, how does uh, Secure uh, differ from Mr Corbyn? Well, I'm biased because I believe the Labour Party um, has come out of four and a half years of a black hole of a nightmare mm. uh, where it neither represented a, a, a credible opposition nor a, an electable government. And the combination was to let those who supported the Labour Party and needed some of its policies uh, let them down very badly. Sir Keir Starmer both is a highly intelligent uh, professional lawyer who, as Director of Public Prosecutions, led the service well, uh, had to take difficult decisions at a time of austerity, understands the world beyond Labour members, but has been able to do business with those who originally supported Jeremy Corbyn mm -hmm. and was able to command support from them. His creation of a balanced shadow ministerial team has been very encouraging. Um, I, I supported Lisa Nandy, who he's made shadow foreign secretary, because I thought she understood the north of England and uh, the, uh, the disaffected uh, Labour, former Labour voters. But I believe that Sakira has taken on board those who have something really sensible to offer. And I believe he will be both a, a great leader of the opposition. More importantly, he will then present himself as a credible alternative prime minister. And all governments need an alternative government at their shoulder. Mm. Uh, it was true of us from 97, and it took the Conservatives some time to recover and to get to that position, but they did. And the Labour Party will, and that's crucial for our democracy. All of us need to understand and appreciate that a living, breathing, functioning democracy requires uh, a credible, confident, and uh, in many ways uh, supportable opposition, as well as a government that we clearly want to do well, because none of us want, as we didn't with the COVID crisis, none of us want the government to fail. We want to see our economy recover. We want our social well-being to be taken into account. We want to overcome deep-seated inequality and poverty, and we want to do it with enterprise and entrepreneurship and business playing their role. And that is about leadership nationally, locally, in the private and the public sector, people with ideas, with confidence, with the ability to pull teams around them, above all, to have some idea of what it is they want to achieve and a very good idea as to how to achieve it. 
Now, of course, one of the biggest problems Secure is facing will be tackling the party's anti-Semitism problem. Uh, there has been a recent internal report that has been quite damning. Uh, what's your response uh, to that report, and what does Secure need to do in response? Well, there are two reports. One which is being produced by the Quality and Human Rights Commission, uh, which he will, and has already indicated, will implement in full. The second was a leaked report put together by the supporters of Jeremy Corbyn, 800 pages of private uh, interchanges on social media, which he has, uh, Sakir Starmer, set up an investigation to identify uh, who did it, who leaked it, what the content was, does it have any salience and lessons for us, and where necessary action will be taken. So I hope that as he moved very quickly to reassure the Jewish community, so he will be able to take the necessary steps to back up that reassurance with the kind of actions that says that this was a blight on a historic great political party that all all of us were ashamed of. We've been able to put that behind us and to move on to facing the future with confidence. What's the one key, uh, key thing that Sakir needs to do to restore Labour as an election-winning party? I think Sakir Starmer's major challenge is to convince sceptical voters that Labour has not only reverted to a party that they can support because they can see it acting, developing, presenting as a credible alternative government, mm-hmm. but also that the lessons have been learned from the fiasco from 2015 onwards. In other words, there have to be very clear signals of substantial change, not just the right words, not just reassurance that we're not uh, going back to some of the crazier uh, policies, but actually that we've understood why the electorate rejected those policies so substantially in December 2019. If people get that message, they'll understand that the Labour Party has changed, as it did in the 1980s and early 90s, to become the electable government with the greatest majority, and historic majority, even greater than 1945, which I was privileged to be able to take advantage of in 1997 when I joined the Cabinet. Now, I know what your answer is going to be to this question, but uh, indulge me. Um, do you think Secure has what it takes to be PM? Yes, I do. I think he has the background, he has the experience, he has the professionalism, he has the forensic uh, mindset, and he has the confidence to have put a team around him which will ensure that it will work. And those elements are true of all leaders. Ideas, the ability to build a team, to have confidence in that team, uh, and to be able to demonstrate leadership in practice, sometimes at the most difficult times. And, you know, the Leaders' Council, those sharing their thoughts with uh, uh, the kind of thing that we're doing now uh, with uh, a podcast, but also joining us in linking up 
in that network of people who can support and help each other and learn mm -hmm. from each other. That is what needs to be done in politics as it needs to be done in business. Thank well, you very much indeed, Matthew. Well, really thank you for coming on the, uh, the program. It's been a, an absolute pleasure, and I look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you very much, and good luck to all those listening in what has been a nightmare scenario. Good luck for the future. Have courage, have confidence, and yes, listen to those who know more about business than I ever will. Thank you, Lord Blunkett. Thank you. As always, it has been a pleasure both listening to and learning from our guests. I've been your host, Scott Challoner, and I hope you all enjoyed listening. Until next time, since sadly all of the pubs remain closed, I'll be sitting in my front room and raising a glass to raising standards. Hopefully, I'll be back in the usual spot in the Westminster Arms soon. Remember, do look after yourselves, stay home where you can, help control the virus, and help save lives. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. You can find every episode on iTunes, YouTube, and Spotify. The views expressed by each guest in the podcast are their own. They do not represent the opinions of the Parliamentary Review, Westminster Publications, Lord Pickles, Lord Blunkett, David Curry, or any other guest on the podcast. If you'd like to know more about the Parliamentary Review, please visit www.theparliamentaryreview.co.uk.